Hewler and Motes are on the air. This is the Steelers Blitz on your 24-7 home of the black and gold. SNR, Steelers Nation Radio. What's going on, Steelers Nation Radio? Inside the Electric Factory on a Wednesday afternoon. Euler Emotes with you here on a Wednesday where we are jam-packed with things to talk about as we put a final bow on Cleveland and start to look ahead to the Cincinnati Bungles. You already know the drill. You want to chime in anytime in the next two hours, you can do so on Twitter at Wesley Euler at TheBody52. The body. Motsi, we got a bunch of different stuff we're going to get into to, into today. And uh, I cannot wait. We're going to put a, a put a – well, I say this, but who knows, because we'll be talking about it again next week when the Cleveland Browns come to town. But we're Just put a put, pause on it. So, yeah, somewhat of a pause, somewhat <laughs> of a wrap, somewhat of a bow, sticking with the holiday season here, uh, on some of these, um, you know, these Mason Rudolph and Miles Garrett and appeals and suspension thoughts. But before we get to that, Motsi, I want to talk to you about this Pittsburgh Steelers offense. Mm. I know when we go uh, inside the play here later on in the show, you'll have some breakdowns for us, some specifics for us. Oh, yeah. Uh, but it has been a, I think, hey, I, I don't need to sugarcoat it. it. It's been an inept few weeks for the Steelers' offense. Are you saying that they've been below the line? They have been below the line. Not varsity? Not varsity level. The I standard think that's hasn't fair, right? been the standard. I, I, I don't need to sugarcoat that, right? I, I think that's fair to point out. No, it is, man, without a doubt. They have struggled, and it's not just – one particular position group that struggled either. Right. You could point to the O-line and their struggles. You could point to the receiver group and their struggles. You could point to the running back room and their struggles. And we could also point to the play calling. I mean, I feel like it's multiple parties involved in the the offensive deficiencies that we've seen mm-hmm. thus far. Yeah, and everything works hand in hand, right, as, as we kind of have talked about here. Three straight games now that the Steelers' offense – has had less than 275 yards gained. Three straight games, only one offensive touchdown in that time period, and that was a, a drive that was aided by by a few penalties in there as well, too. Uh, obviously, there's a lot of angles to go with this, Motsi, but what do you think is the most realistic, let's start with this, the most realistic way that the Steelers can attempt to kickstart some offense here particularly in the wake of what seems like you're going to be shorthanded and it doesn't look too optimistic for Juju going this week or Deontay Johnson or James Conner. How do you kickstart this offense that has been struggling and is now also a little shorthanded at the same time? Man, you're definitely going to have to be more creative. I think when you're lacking in the personnel department, like we're potentially going to see this team do, it's important that you find other ways to help this offense be creative, whether it's more timing routes, going back to that West Coast-style offense, especially if you don't have the receivers that can beat one-on-ones or can be vertical threats. Sometimes you need to go to certain things out of bunch formations that will naturally create separation for them in a quick window. With the running game, understanding what type of runs Jalen Samuels is more comfortable with, but at the same time most effective in and try to maximize that. And I know last week Randy Featner tried to get creative with the flea flicker, and it ended up being an interception. And you can point to some of the pressure that was coming up the middle on that particular throw for Mason and why it wasn't where it needed to be in terms of ball placement. I don't think you should shy away from those style plays, but 
you have to do a better job of executing them. Those type of plays work when you've executed a couple of run plays sure. in a row prior to that because now as a defense, you are you're, you're more susceptible too because you feel like I have to honor this play fake. I have to honor this run action. A flea flicker play is no different than a play action pass. In terms of you're given the run look initially, mm-hmm. and then from there you're converting it to a pass play. And you're trying to just get a just get a step away. Absolutely, run. but if you don't feel that you have to respect the run, then that flea flicker is not going to have any type of success. Those play action passes aren't going to have any type of success, or even the bootlegs and things like that. So it's important that you understand how each play complements each other. And I think those are the type of things that is really going to be necessary for this Steelers offense to be successful on Sunday. But I will say this. If there's any matchup that you would be at least excited about for this Steelers offense, it is this week because when you look at the Browns' defense versus the run. They, oh, excuse me, the Bengals' defense versus the run. Thank you for the correction. You my man. Hey, hey you got to yeah, detail your work, right? Hey, always. But when you look at this <laughs> Bengals' defense, in particular versus the run, they have struggled this yeah, season mightily. in a big way. They're, yep. they're giving up, I think, it's five yards per carry mm-hmm. over with 1,600 yards on the season thus far. That's the one area that you're saying, hey, we can get that ground game going. That can open up some of these other things that we're talking about in terms of the creativity that this offense needs so they can be productive. Yeah, and I guess some good news in that department coming out of Coach Tomlin's press conference yesterday is that Benny Snell ready to work this week, ready to get some practice in. But now, how much hold can on, you wait yeah, a minute. How wait much a minute. can you really not only is Benny Snell coming off a knee injury, correct, where he's missed a few weeks now and you've got to integrate him back into the offense, but it's not like he's necessarily a veteran guy, right, who's already got Oh, this is year one. He's got two dozen NFL games under his belt and he's been a part of the offense and he's learned the playbook and he's been asked to do X, Y, and Z. He's year one. He he's he hasn't even been even before he, when he was healthy right he wasn't getting a helmet every single game at the beginning of the mm-hmm. year what realistically can you expect can you hope from Benny Snell on, on Sunday afternoon in Cincinnati honestly my expectations for him this week not for the rest of the season but this week in particular aren't very high and it's due to the fact that we had a conversation a couple weeks ago with about James Conner right he's coming back and it's like all right how healthy is he going to be how effective can he be and I told you, I said, even though he practiced, I still wasn't very high on it just because I understand when you miss time like that or if you're dealing with the injury, when you first come back, it doesn't always bode well for you in terms of your um, explosiveness, in sure. terms of your change of direction. in terms of when it's a knee. Yeah, a and knee then injury. the wear and tear that's associated with being a running back. And we saw that with Jalen Samuels as well when he had his, uh, his uh, surgery early in the season. It's one of those things that – on on paper, it sounds good. Oh, we're going to get Benny Snow back when he's a physical runner, this and this and this. But when you really look into the details associated with it, I don't expect much of anything from him. And if it wasn't for the injuries in that room in terms of James Conner's availability, I wouldn't even think that he would get a hat just because to have him just start back practicing Wednesday and then say he's going to play on Sunday in the NFL. As a rookie. As a rookie, and not even a, an experienced rookie, we talked about how the most action he saw was the Chargers game. Prior to that, it was, was he going to get a hat this week? Was he not going to get a hat this week? If he got a hat, was he just playing special teams, or was he going to get one or two carries a game? And now you're expecting this young man to come out there on Sunday and be a key catalyst for your Sh- offense? Or maybe even shoulder the load, some people have been saying. Yeah, like to me, that's just not realistic. And 
I speak from personal experiences because I've been in similar situations. And I understand the level of detail and the level of physical readiness that's associated with playing at this game or playing at this level in particular. And then when you talk about the physical element of it, you're at the position where you're getting hit. He's yeah. going to get hit every play. He hasn't been touched since he's been had the surgery. Let's let's talk about it. He hasn't been touched. And even when he comes back to practice this week, they're not in pads. No, you, you it's going to be glorify, hey, run fast, make your cuts. You probably going to you might have a brace on. Yeah. But have fun with that. You're not going to really feel contact though until Sunday and it could be a similar situation to what we saw with James Conner where when he came back versus the uh, Browns on Thursday night, he hadn't been touched until he got in that game. And then as soon as he gets hit the first time, you see him like, this doesn't look good. And then we know what proceeded after that. So that's my only issue or concern in terms of the my expectations for Benny Snell come Sunday. For a multitude of different reasons, they got to get the run game going. Without I mean, a, a multitude of different reasons. I wonder, though, how much of the onus do you put on – the current health status of the running backs and just needing James Conner or Jalen Samuels or Benny Snell or Trey Edmonds or somebody to emerge, right? To to kind of to kind of grab the ball by the laces, if you will, and and demand more carries and show that they're capable of being that guy for the Steelers the rest of the way. Or maybe is is much or more of that onus on the offensive line to get back to what we've seen not as much this year. At times we've seen it this year. But what we know this offensive line is capable of, and right, and and opening up holes. It doesn't matter who the running back is; that the offensive line it still needs to be doing more to to open up holes to give whatever running back is carrying the ball uh, more of an opportunity to get wins on first and second down. Yeah, I know we would want one of these running backs to just step up and say, "Hey, I'm the guy. Right. You give can me lean 20 on carries me." Carries a game, right? Yeah. But I think the issue is, from a personnel standpoint, who do you have that fits that mode? Jalen Samuels, when we watch him, he appears that less is more with him. If you're keeping him at 10 to 15 touches, and that's including runs and pass plays, he's highly effective. When he's out there for more than that, it doesn't have the same type of impact. When you look at Trey Edmonds, it's, I mean, he's a bigger body back, so you, of course, can lean on him in terms of the attrition, but the productivity isn't there with him. Benny Snell, we already talked about the injury concerns and how he's coming back. So when you're talking about one of those guys emerging in that department, I don't know from a personal standpoint if that's available right now. And then with the offensive line, we talked about how their struggles, granted, have been some of them just from a performance-related element, but at the same time, it's not solely on them because the attention that that box is getting due to the lack of attention the receivers are drawing or requiring in terms of double teams and certain coverages that's not helping their situation either. Right. So all of it kind of goes hand in hand. Now, I do expect the offensive line to come back and respond a lot better, especially after their performance versus the Browns, because that was probably their worst performance this season in terms of protecting the quarterback, in terms of winning the line of scrimmage. We didn't see that on multiple occasions on Thursday night. So I do anticipate those guys coming out with the chip on their shoulder. And this is another one of those divisional games. You still got the same guys over there in terms of Geno Atkins, in terms of Carlos, Carlos Dunback, Dunback, uh, Dunback uh, excuse me, Dunlap. He's coming out there all you wrong. That's yeah, right. you know, you know, what I'm talking about that. The tall guy. You're just getting excited. You, you, know? you know that tall guy over there. Listen, I can't knock you for that. I do that same thing. Sometimes I make speaking look really hard for a guy who speaks speaks for a, for a living. living. Right? It's crazy. But those are the things like 
I'm still expecting this offensive line to have some success and win that matchup just because they have to. In order for this offense to be successful, your back's against the wall. If you want to make that push for a wild card spot, because they're still in the conversation. Oh, yeah. Let's be real about it. When we looked at where they were at going into that Browns game, we said at at best you, you sweep them, at worst you split them. Mm-hmm. If so, you go two and three over these next three games, you're still, still in exactly, a good position. You're exactly where you need to be. Yeah, you'd be seven and five. Is that right in the thick of it? Mm-hmm. So when you're factoring in all those things for this Steelers offense, they understand what's at stake. They understand that hey, all our hopes and dreams are still right there. Now it's not going to be easy, like you said, with injuries at the receiver position, the running back position, and also the likelihood of Marquise Pouncey mm-hmm. not being out there on Sunday. I mean, you're going to be in there shorthanded. But these, this is one of those games that no matter who is out there, you have to find a way to win. Absolutely, 100%. No excuses. It's the Bungles. Curtis chimes in here on Twitter, at Wesley Euler, at the body 52 The body. Pittsburgh's offense with Rosie Nix in the lineup runs a heck of a lot better. Correct? I would say correct. Fair enough. So he said, so why is it so hard for us to find another fullback in his absence? In his absence, Could you put a tight end in that position? Many teams do. He said, please talk about this on the show. Please and thank you. Well, here you go, Curtis. We're going to talk about it right now. Uh, why is it why maybe, why maybe? is it so difficult for the Steelers to replace Roosevelt Knicks? Why does the run game look so night and day difference in his absence and or, or when he's present? Well, first off, there's a couple of things that play into this. First off, with Rosie, he's a Pro Bowl fullback for a reason. Mm-hmm. In terms of the mentality that's associated with that position, the physicality that's associated with that position, the overall disregard for your body. Because I tell you, as a defender, we try to just destroy fullbacks, cut them, blast them. It does not Long matter. Up, right? They are just obstacles in, in our way in terms of getting to the ball carrier. But – Another thing in terms of could you just replace them with the tight end? Typically, tight ends, they can have size, but they don't have the mentality or the physicality that's associated with being a fullback. Tight ends are, we always say they're overweight wide receivers. They want to catch <laughs> passes. They want to run routes. Yeah, they, they, don't they, don't, they don't want to block. They don't want to get their face ripped Not off. Not in the year of our Lord, 2019. Not a chance. At least at the tight end position when they're in that C area, which is right next to a tackle, the, the collision is still low impact. So even the guys who are scared of contact, you, you could tell the difference. The guys who are scared of contact, they typically have their hands a lot wider because they're trying to catch hmm. the defender sure. and then body position him versus the guys who fire off and shoot their hands. Think a guy like Lee Smith tighter for the Buffalo Bills. Because there, there are still a couple of those pass-blocking specialist tight yes. ends in the National Correct. Football. Correct. They're becoming the last of a dying breed. But, but, still but even with those guys, they specialize in being directly in front of them as an offensive lineman because mm-hmm. the contact is less space, is less room for you to move around. It's sure. more right-now action. Whereas that fullback position, you're coming from a running start, so you have to have the angles right, you have to time it up, and you, you also have to, somebody else and, and you also have to understand start. that, hey, this guy – this this six six four six five two hundred sixty pound guy is running at me full speed. He it is not the oh he just took one step out of a stance. It's he had a full head of steam. This is gonna hurt. Not everybody wants that. And that's just the fullback position in terms of the physicality and the mentality element of it. Now when we talk uh, strategies and, and being a, a, a coordinator with this thing. Fullbacks or bigger body personnel attract attention. Mm-hmm. In terms of when I was playing with the Steelers, we would blitz 
And it would be a check blitz for any time a fullback was on the field or if you had an extra offensive lineman on the field. That means it's additional bodies coming to you right now because you know from a schematic standpoint, when you bring in a fullback, you're not bringing him in for passing unless it's max protection. You're bringing him in to run the ball. You're bringing him in to be the lead blocker. So wherever he goes, he's going to take you to the ball. And we would have keys and checks just for that. If it's extra alignment in, he's not running a pass. Don't treat him as a, as a receiver. We're blitzing that because we know if that's where the action is going to be, we want more people over there. So a lot of teams shy away from that if you know that, hey, this guy can't get the job done like that. Sure. Because that's too much attention that's attracted to that. And if they're not dominant in that area, you're setting yourself up for failure. So that's another reason why it's not so easy to just say, oh, just put a tight end out there or let's just put another fullback out there. Particularly when, as you mentioned, Rosie is an exceptional fullback. And when you have all these things schemed up for an exceptional fullback, it, it, you, can't it just helps throw, you, out. you can't just throw a nameless gray face Correct. in there and expect him to do the same thing. Absolutely. But we appreciate we do appreciate the tweet, Curtis. It was a good question. Oh, there without by a you, doubt, and man. I'm sure, honestly, a lot of people probably think that. Well, and that's okay, why well, I was glad that he we, asked that question. Yeah. Why do we stop doing so many things when Rosie's out of the game? I, I know there's a yeah. lot of Steelers fans who think that. On Twitter, at West Euler, at the Body Fifty Two, the Body. That was a different one than usual. Yeah, I got a little excited. I'm sorry. <laughs> I liked it. <laughs> Like, Good. Like, you know, you, Good. you changed your octave there on the. You, know, you went in a different. That was a different key of the body. You know? You know? <laughs> <laughs> at West Euler, at the body fifty two. The back. body. There you go. I get when you we right come now. Back here, we will. Uh, we'll continue to talk about kickstarting the offense as well as breaking down some comments uh, from Mike Tomlin yesterday in his Tuesday press conference. You are in the electric factory. It's Euler Remotes. It's Steelers Blitz on SNR. This is the Steelers Blitz with Wesley Euler and Arthur Motes on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, SNR. How to kickstart the Steelers offense. That is the topic du jour today inside the electric factory. I am your host and waiter, Wesley Euler. Mm. Over there. I'm the bottle man. Over there. Is <laughs> Over there is our bartender and our dessert chef, Arthur Motes. You can find us on Twitter, at Wes Euler, at TheBody52. The body. Three straight games with less than 275 yards offense for your Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, I mean, this isn't the 1990s Big Ten football over here that we're trying to win, all right? Mm. That's, this that's, ain't that's, the VU playing. Oh, Jeez. What, what, what are you talking my about? My bad, my bad. Our I got carried away. Have been on the other side I got carried ball. away. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Uh, I got know, carried away. You we, know, last year, we were putting up like 800 yards a game on offense. It's just the sure. opponents were going for 850. Yeah, but you had a better quarterback last year. We did. We had five offensive guys on uh, five guys on the offensive side of the football drafted last year mm. at WVU. I mean, that mm. doesn't have, It's not Ohio State or Alabama. Or JMU. Would you? Oh, you guys are defensive school. I thought you're right. We are. <laughs> Three straight games, 275 yards or less for the Steelers' offense. We, we talked about some ways that we can hope to get that going. Some questions, some good comments on Twitter, and I think also yesterday in his press conference, head coach Mike Tomlin addressed this a little bit. He seems a little more optimistic, or at least maybe encouraged is the word, about what the Steelers could have going forward from their tight ends uh mike tomlin yesterday here's his exact quote he said i think we're getting really good fluidity 
in terms of our division of labor at the tight end position. Vance McDonald has been available to us now consistently for a number of weeks. Nick, he's obviously talking about Nick Vanette. Nick has been on our team now consistently for a number of weeks. I feel really comfortable with our division of labor there. So far, I think it's safe to say, Motsi, they have been, and Steelers Nation has been, a little disappointed in terms of the pure output from, from Vance McDonald and the tight ends. Do you see that being an area where they could try and, and you know, make up for some of the lack of talent that, that and injuries in the wide receiver and running back department? Are you, are you at all buying into the idea that the tight ends could become a bigger part of the offense? In theory, I want to. And initially when the season started, especially when Mason had to take over, we talked about how it made perfect sense that the tight ends would become the focal point of the offense, especially when we were seeing that the receivers were struggling. You bring in Nick Vanette through trade, and you feel that, hey, they're about to be a larger portion of this offense, but we have not seen that. Haven't even seen it come close in terms of Nick Vanette and just targets. Mm -hmm. He hasn't had a lot of those. Same with Vance McDonald. And I understand from a availability standpoint Yes, they've been there, but it's hard for us to, I guess, put a grade on how good they are or how much they've helped this office when we're only talking about their availability. I think that's a low scale for them when we talk about the expectations, in particular with Vance McDonald coming into the season, they were a lot higher. I do hope that they do focus on those guys a lot more because anytime you have young quarterbacks – Tight ends in the running game are their best friend. The Wubby, right? Absolutely. And that's been like that for at least this past decade. You understand because typically tight ends have the better matchups in terms of them versus linebackers. They are more quarterback-friendly targets. And obviously the running game helps out in that department as well. Look at every good young quarterback that has come successful young quarterback yes. that has come into the National Football League over the last few years. They've right? had a tight end. Back to, or a tight end or a running back. Absolutely. Or maybe both. Yes, you typically go, both. The, the the really good ones have both. You go back to Russell Wilson and look what he had with Marshawn Lynch. Uh, you could talk about uh, Dak Prescott and Ezekiel Elliott and, and even he had Jason Witten there yes, when, when, he first, say, yeah. when he first came into the league. Mm -hmm. uh, when Carson Wentz was at his best was when him and Zach Ertz yes. were on the same page. You've you've seen that over and over, and I'm sure there's probably uh, uh, Patrick Mahomes and Kelsey, mm -hmm. and when he had Kareem Hunt. Uh, uh, look at Lamar Jackson now and those tight ends and oh, yeah, they, yeah. and um, and Mark Ingram. Correct. Uh, it it it's it's a crutch that Mason Rudolph hasn't had to lean on. I mean, you know what I mean. That well, not that he hasn't had to lean on. It's, it's a crutch that, in a negative way. It's, but it's, it's, a, it's something that he should be using. Yes. More of and. This is my only concern. Sometimes I feel that when we watch him on tape, it's as if he feels he either has to go down the field or strictly to the check down. He doesn't want to utilize those tight ends. And there have been times where they've been open. So I think that putting more of a focus, more of a conscientious effort to involve those guys. And Randy Feekner has to take some responsibility in this as well in terms of making sure that he's getting those guys involved in the play calls. I think that can help this offense out a ton because those guys are too talented to not be getting targeted. Those guys are too talented to not be in more of a focal point of the office, right. especially when you're looking at the current state of the receiver room. And those are the things that, for me, I say, 
falls not only on players but falls on coach as well in yeah. that department. I agree with you. It's it certainly you look at those names, Vance McDonald and Nick Vanette, and both being healthy and both being available, and you hope that there's something that they can drum up there. Again, something to kickstart the offense. But we're gonna have to maybe see it before we fully buy into it. That's a that's a fair way to put it. Absolutely. <laughs> Again, on Twitter at Wesley Euler at the Body Fifty Two. I'm not doing it. Keep going. <laughs> the tight end comment yesterday from Mike Tomlin wasn't the only one that um, had some reactions, shall we say. Ah, I like how you put that there. Yeah. yeah. And particularly reaction outside of Pittsburgh. Oh, it was national? Or was it just next ah, state over? More just next state over. Oh, okay. Mike Tomlin was asked yesterday in his weekly press conference if what happened Thursday night was at all a teachable moment for his players. And his answer was, I don't know that we did anything to make it happen in the first place. That's why I said we didn't have anything to learn from it. And boy, Arthur Motes did the Cleveland Browns fans take that comment with a grain of salt. (laughs) I mean, just the reaction on Twitter here. What else did we expect? The NFL doesn't hold the Steelers accountable, so why should their head coach? Wow, so maybe Mike Tomlin should be criticized much like Freddie Kitchens. How How can you not see what led to all of this? Come on, man. Is he for real? Maybe if he wouldn't have been calling pass plays with less than a minute left, that (laughs) wouldn't have happened. Oh, wow. Don't say play to the final whistle. Just run the clock and run plays till it's over. Arthur Motes, here's the last, you know, you and I, I feel like on Monday had some really good discussion about this. And that's like I was waiting all weekend to talk to you. As the former player, who is certainly uh, yes, I, I you never took you never had a helmet swung at you, I don't think, and I don't think you ever swung a helmet at another player. But you were involved in your you know fair share of fisticuffs and heated moments and and you know quote unquote fight. You know we throw the blanket fight right. over everything. You know scuffles, kerfuffles, disagreements, disagreements from a physical standpoint. Um, and we had some great discussion about how things were escalated there, about what was appropriate and what isn't appropriate, about how in hindsight everybody always wants to be holier than thou, right? The one thing that I will say, and and I, did you really expect Mike Tomlin? I don't think anybody really expected Mike Tomlin to say anything different. Yes, what's he going to do, come out and throw all of his guys under the bus? And, oh, no, yeah, you're right, Mason, he really deserves a suspension. You know what, <laughs> that should make it worse on him. But I, I keep coming back to this, and and you know you know this. I worked in Cleveland for two years. I've got I've got some friends in that area. I've been I've texted back and forth with some buddies who cover the Browns and still work in that market. And to all the people who think that it's purely on just on Mason Rudolph, right? That he started it. That the Steelers started it. That Mason Rudolph, you know, deserves just as much of a suspension, if not more, than Miles Garrett for playing instigator. The one point that I keep coming back to, the one belief, whatever you want to call it, is this. There's the incident, right? Miles Garrett, the the late hit, maybe, you know, hangs on Mason for a few seconds there on the ground. And then Mason retaliates. Mason tries to pull his helmet off. Miles Garrett comes back at him, takes his helmet off. If at that moment, if Miles Garrett just throws Mason Rudolph's helmet to the sideline, right? Or maybe he, you know, holds on to Mason Rudolph's helmet and tries to laugh at him as Mason tries to grab it back out of his hands. Whatever it may be. If Miles Garrett never goes windmill swing with the helmet on Mason Rudolph's dome, does anybody get suspended? I don't think so. I think if... And that's what I keep coming back to. Well, this Up is... until that moment, everything was fair within the Correct. lines of a football field. 
until that. And because of that one action, now all kinds of guys are going to get fined and suspended. Yes. But but I'll say this. It could have just been Miles starts punching him in the face with his hands. Right. It's a totally different conversation. In fact, I would go as far as to say we don't have the same, oh, Miles Garrett is the bad guy. Right. I think the conversation drastically turns to what people outside of Pittsburgh, when they look at the incident, they would be saying that, hey, Mason was the instigator in terms of once he got up off the ground, in terms of once he was on the ground, grabbing at the helmet, getting up and following him over there. But the problem is when you hit a guy with a helmet, that crosses the line. Mm -hmm. That takes it to a point where that action was so egregious that it does not matter what led up to that. Right. And that's where we are right now. So no matter how much we want to look at the facts and not be biased or look at the facts and just look at what they are, the issue is this one action, this one reaction was just so egregious compared to every other action that transpired both before and afterwards that none of that really matters. And I think that's why you see the the lengthy suspension for Miles Garrett. Now, granted, his appeal is today, so we'll mm-hmm. see what the NFL wants to do Pounces in terms of upheld it. Pounces was yesterday, so we'll be hearing something from that within the next day or so probably. Mm-hmm. But ultimately, man, it's just when you swing that helmet, that is the game changer. That that There is never a reason or is never acceptable to do that, and that was the biggest issue. I'm with you. I, I, again, I think everything that happened up until that point was understandable within the context of a football field inside those white lines and the emotion and the passion and the battles that go on in there. I just, again, for for the crowd that is saying that it's all Mason Rudolph, that it, it's unbelievable that, you know, that the Steelers can't realize this, that it's unbelievable that Mason – again – if Miles Garrett never swings that helmet, if he, like Motsi says, if he just throws a punch, or maybe he takes the helmet and Gronk spikes it on the ground, or maybe he takes the helmet and chucks it, you know, into the dog pound, whatever, there'd be some fines maybe, but I don't think anybody would have been suspended. I just don't like the fact that people can't view it and say that both parties had wrong in the situation. Sure. They look at it at... We talk about this all the time in sports talk. It has to be absolute. It's got to be one way or the other. Either Mason is 100% right or Miles Garrett is 100% wrong. It can't right. It can't be, well, both of them had things that they shouldn't have done in the situation. Both of them had ample opportunities to de-escalate the situation. Mm -hmm. Even Pouncey. I mean, love him to death, and it was great what he did in terms of standing up for his guy. But let's be real. Could he have handled the situation in a more professional manner? Absolutely. But these are all the things that nobody likes to talk about. They wanted to just be black and white. I either 100% stand with this guy or right. I'm 100% against this Miles guy. Miles is completely innocent and it's all Mason's yeah. fault or Mason did absolutely nothing. Miles Garrett is the the you know the biggest monster we've ever seen. Right, but but in this situation that wasn't the case. It was so many variables that led to what we saw that led to what we're talking about right now. And that's what people have to understand. I love the, the, the it's Mike Tomlin's fault because he didn't just run the ball. No, no, no. I, I heard that one. I heard it's the referee's <laughs> fault because he should have like just jumped in there and even though the you guy was swinging the, the helmet, I'm like, what are y'all talking? It feels like everybody is trying to find a new take. They're trying to move the goalposts. Like, let, right? let me let me be the new guy to come up with this idea because everyone else has said that. It drives me nuts. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm with you, too. I'm with you, too. And like I said, I'd like to say, ah, we're going to put a bow on it. This is going to be it. But next week when the Browns come to town. Oh, it's right back and it's heightened again. We'll be talking about it all over again, just like our buddy G-Rob, Mr. Iowa State himself. Mm, okay. Big, big win over Texas this weekend yeah, for the Cyclones. Uh, he talks about giving a shout-out to Pouncey, amazing teammate, 
uh, even though he he reacted in the moment, his actions unknowingly riled up a fan base after an ugly loss. And I'd be surprised if the outcome in two weeks isn't very different. I tell you, I'll tell you what. I ex- I expect a lot of fifty three jerseys, a lot of Marquise Pouncey tributes at Heinz Field, despite the fact that we both think he's probably not going to be there. Correct. Even if well, the suspension does get rolled well, back, he could just always like game. buy a regular ticket though, right? Right behind the home, right behind the away could team. He, could he sit with Arthur Motes? Oh, without a doubt. And get some crab fries. Hey, hey, my treat! I promise you. <laughs> Francis chimes in here. I have a brilliant idea. Let's use DeCastro as our fullback. Can't go wrong with him. That's like, I like you see it. Quentin Nelson. You see Quentin Nelson scoring the touchdown. I did. For the and then the keg stand well, celebration. Te- well, didn't they say that he didn't score though? I was mad, man. On the right. replay. Yeah. yeah. Awesome celebration though. Great the celebration. keg stand. I have Fantastic. a newfound. I have a newfound respect for the keg stand. After seeing after some, after some seeing some of it in person, yes, <laughs> and being a part of the guys holding up people. Like I have a newfound respect for that celebration, without a doubt. On Twitter at Wesley Euler at the Body Fifty Two. The Body. The conversation continues when we return inside the Electric Factory. You're listening to Euler and Motes at Steelers Blitz on SNR. This is the Steelers Blitz with Wesley Euler and Arthur Motes on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, SNR. Inside the Electric Factory on a Wednesday, it's Euler and Motes breaking down. Well, some final thoughts on fight night in Cleveland Mm. before we rehash everything again next week. How to kickstart this offense with all the injuries that the Steelers are dealing with. Right now, you know the drill on Twitter at Wesley Euler at the Body Fifty Two. The Body. Arthur Motes, you've gone through appeals process before, correct? Mm-hmm. As a, unfortunately, as a member of the National Football League. Uh, first part: What is that like, and kind of the process, and waiting to stating your case, and waiting to hear back. And what do you expect from Miles Garrett and from Marquise Pouncey? You expect a, re- a reduction in both of those uh, with the appeals? How do you kind of um, you know, what do you expect we'll hear from an announcement announcement wise from the league, you know, here in the in the next day or two? Man, I'm a date myself. I played long enough before it was the uh players that were doing the appeals in terms before of it was James Thrash. Yeah, yeah. Before it was before it was Derek Brooks and uh James Thrash where you had to report to the uh judge jury executioner, the man himself. Mr. Goodell. Wasn't so fun. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um just quick sidebar. Yes. You know there was only one team when that came to a vote. Oh, the Steelers. The Steelers were the only team. Tr- trust me, James Harrison reminded me every day when I came Steelers here. The Steelers were the only team that voted every, against giving Roger Goodell that. I, actually, I don't think they even voted. They, they didn't. They abstained from yes. voting. Every day when I came here in 2014, James Harrison proceeded to remind <laughs> me of why I was a bad person because I was a part of a league that <laughs> voted to give Roger Goodell power. And I said, James, at the time, I was 22 years old, fresh out of college, a rookie in the NFL. Do you really think I was about to tell guys like Ryan Fitzpatrick, Marshawn Lynch, Lee Evans, Fred Jackson, Kyle Williams, all these guys? I was going to say Kyle Williams. Paul Puzlesley, hey, guys, I don't, I don't want to vote with this. Let's do this. You think that was about to roll over, really? Really? So <laughs> leave me alone, man. Getting Paul Puzlesley's face as a rookie. <laughs> right. So, so forgive me, Debo, if I was one of the guys who who conformed. All right, forgive me for my sins. <laughs> but in terms of the process, typically they'll give you the video of the 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 play or the incident in question. They will 
actually give you a couple of copies. You have the direct uh, TV copy. You have the All-22 style copy where you're going to see an end zone sure. and a uh, sure. sideline copy of it as well. And they'll also give you a detailed write-up of what the final offense was and where it stands in terms of the rule book and, and all those type of things. And then from there, you get with your agent. You formulate your argument. You let your agent know what you were seeing, what you were thinking. And you and him both come up to an agreement on how you want to convey that message to these arbitrators. State your case. Right. So then typically they'll sign a date. I know with Pouncey, his was over the phone, but Miles Garrett, he actually flew to New York because he wanted to do his in person. You have the option. For me, I never felt like my offenses were egregious enough that I felt I needed to be there in person right. to give that type of – Have your hat in your right. hand and – no, I probably should have since pour your heart out. I was gonna say I probably should have since my record in in my pills I'm one in three, but either way. <laughs> but when you but when you uh, have the conversation, so you get on the phone with uh, with Thrash or Derek Brooks, whichever one they're going to be doing in mm-hmm. particular. You have your conversation. He's telling you what he's seeing. You're telling him what you're seeing. Your agent typically will say you know how they want to presented or, or certain things that they want to say in terms of it then they'll just kind of we always they're always telling us like hey try to let them know like talk football to football and like you know and they right. hated them because that was the issue before with Goodell he never played so for him to understand how certain things happened sure. or the speed of it it was hard for him to comprehend that so you're just kind of running into a dead end and then we're like well if it was already bad enough for you to find me now I'm appealing to the same guy who decided it was bad to find me. How is that going to change? It's like talking chemistry with a history professor. Right. It was like whatever it is, like he's already made his decision. It's done. So that's why as a player's union, we were so excited to have it switch over to those two guys in what, terms of being former players. What year was was that 15 that the switch happened? Yes. Okay. Yeah, it was, it was, it, yeah, 14, 15 time 14, frame. 15. Okay. Yeah. So that's why it was such a big deal because now you felt like you really had a fair chance in your appeals process. Sure. And then from there, I mean, you have your communication, you state your case, they, you, you go back and forth. Sometimes it can be as quick as 20 minutes. Sometimes it could take an hour, two hours. just depends on what you're talking about, the play in question, and, and all the details and facts that go along with it. And then after that, it's the waiting game. Sometimes you'll get a decision within 24 hours. Sometimes it takes a couple of days. And from there, once the appeal, once the ruling is made, it's final. So it's been times where they're like, all right, you were fined this much because of this offense. I like your appeal. I will reduce it to this. And you're like, great. Then there's other times where they're like, nah. We heard your appeal. Tough I understand luck. what you're saying. Tough luck, Junior. Tough. <laughs> or they hit you with, I know it was your first offense, but section three, article A of this page of the document of the declaration of NFL handbook for the rule states that if you do said violation, the minimum fine is X amount. And you're like, bro, but I only got paid this amount. Like, how can you find that much and I only got paid this much? And they're like, hey, welcome to the NFL, my friend. Yep. I'm like, wow. And that's when you start saying, if I ever see you guys in the streets, <laughs> they're going to find me again, <laughs> baby, because I'm going to get you. Again. I'm going to get my money's worth this time. <laughs> I think that's, that's one of the biggest things with CBAs, I think, that confuse a lot of people mm-hmm. is the whole maximum fine thing. Yeah. You know, like people will see – like, you get that in hockey a lot, right? Where right. a guy won't be suspended, oh, but we're going to give him the maximum fine. And people are like, all right, well, he just took a dude's head off. Yes. And he's getting a five grand fine, mm-hmm. and he makes $9 million a year. Correct. And it's kind of the same thing in the NFL, which you were talking about there, too, where 
you've got the rookies who are still on their rookie salaries, their right. rookie contracts. And you're still going to get fined X amount. You're that guy the same amount that you're finding Von Miller, yes. who's making $20 million right. a year. I, I, I would laugh. I'm like, if they were, like, my rookie year, my first two years, actually, when I got fined during those seasons, if that would have happened in, you know, my third or fourth year here in Pittsburgh, I'm laughing at like that. All right, we ain't trying to say, hey, we need a write-off. That's cool. <laughs> but back then. Give it the charity. Hey, but back then, you're like, bro. Uh, Come on, hey, man. hey, man, I got bills coming up, baby. All right? I need that. <laughs> uh, we know in two years uh, there's a lot of CBA battleground issues. Correct. The 17-game schedule, mm-hmm. what to do with the preseason, potentially expanding the postseason. Hey, man, let, 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 let Wes do it. He's going to have us playing 18 games, no preseason. That's not true. Let, let Wes say it. That's not true. Let Wes say it. You already know what I would do. I'd 19 cut games. Cut, no, no, no. Extra playoff. i cut off one preseason game. Yeah, uh-huh. uh-huh. And that's it. Yeah. That's yeah, all uh-huh. I do. Yeah. I'd cut off one preseason uh-huh. game. Yeah. Okay, then maybe I'll add an extra round. I know of the you would. Yeah. Maybe add yeah. an extra round of the play. And even with the, let me add another buy so it feels good, right? Sweet in the pot. So you got two bye weeks. Woo! Well, that's just because I'm trying to get an extra Sunday right. off during football Stop season. Stop it. Um, I think uh, THC, right? Like marijuana weed is going to be a big issue at the next. At the you next know, I thought CBD. you said THC. I was like, did I hear that right? Yeah. <laughs> you know, like not testing players for THC, I Correct. think, is going to be a big battleground issue. At the next CBA. Uh, one of those, I think, could be some of this appeal, some of the suspension process. When that comes up, is there anything, when you look at the current appeal process, and I think you're very happy that it's changed from Emperor Goodell's hands. Yeah. Hands, but is there anything that you still look at the process, the suspension process, the finding process, and you think, you know what, in two years we should change X, Y, Z, we should change this? It's hard to say just because, for example, the face mask penalty, right? Initially, it started out as you could get a face mask and it could be a 15-yard variety or a 5-yard variety. Right. And the money that was associated with those yardage amounts changed drastically in terms of fines. Then when they made it a blanket, all face mask penalties are 15 yards, it essentially made it where all face mask penalties were going to cost X amount of dollars. And it could have been, I think it was 15 grand one year, or was it was it fifteen or twenty grand? It was yeah, no, that sounds right. But it's always like it's like fifteen thousand five hundred seventy six dollars right. and like something. It was <laughs> something some weird. Yeah. Something, yeah, it was weird. So the problem is, if this is your first offense and it was an accidental, like I had a situation, my second, actually my second year in the league, and Julian Edelman is actually one of the return men for the Patriots at the time. And literally, I just, like, I tackle him. My hand is on the side of his face mask. I do, it, it's not a grab. It doesn't twist it. Just on the face mask. So if it was the 5 or 15-yard, it would fell into the 5-yard thing, which ultimately would have been a $5,000 fine. You're not worried about that. Problem is, it's only 15-yard penalties, so that fine becomes fifteen grand at the time of your – when you're in a rookie deal and you're a six-round draft pick, you might be bringing in thirty grand before taxes on a check. During that particular time, and then from there, you do sure, the taxes. Then sure. you add that fine. You do the math on it. You don't have you a lot left over. Much money right? You, game. Yeah. We, we we say you got some weeks where you play in the hole. If you if you're a young guy getting fined in the league, you're losing money out there. And that was one of those situations. That's crazy. So that's yeah. that's something. So that, you that would, would be like something that I would change. like to see. Just in terms of it, instead of just the blanket, hey, it has to be X amount. If they did it based on a percentage of what a player is making that week. I, I like think it. that is different. Yeah. And they've tried to do some of that with 
like the bigger fines in terms of, hey, you can't find a guy for uh, for some of the helmet-to-helmet contact, right? We saw some of those numbers were getting out of control, 30 grand for, for a second time, 50 grand. And if you're in the secondary, you're like, bro, this can happen on any play that's a pass play realistically, so you're putting me in harm's way from a financial standpoint. And we've all seen how some of these calls are questionable, how some of the appeals in terms of their uh, – their perception of the hit sure, is questionable. Sure. So with all that being said, it was getting to a point where you can't find a guy two and three game checks worth of money <laughs> for one offense. Like, that's not realistic. So the thing that I would recommend is just that you – any of these fines, you'll have it based on a percentage. Like, okay, if it's a helmet-to-helmet repeat offender, okay, it should be 20% of a guy's salary or 20% of a guy's game check. Sure. Okay, if it's, if it's the fourth time, okay, 50%. And it do it that way, from there, right? Yeah. So that way, if it's a guy that's making thirty grand a game, okay, it's going to be according. But if it's a guy that's making a million a game, well, cool, you're getting him accordingly as well. So that way, you can discourage that sure. delinquent behavior from going forward. So that's kind of the things that I think of in terms of what should be adjusted in that regard. I like it. Yeah, no, that's a great point by you. The sixth round rookie. Shouldn't be getting yeah. fined the same amount as the sixth overall pick who's right. now on his third contract who's made $100 million yeah, in his cause, career. Because he's looking at that, that fifteen grand like, man, I got three watches that cost more than that. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> I got a car payment. I got a mortgage to do. Say fifteen grand, man. I, I spent that on a private jet, and that was just going one way. <laughs> that, that was you and wifey rocking you know? up at the airport right on the day. <laughs> we the we just vacation. wanted to go to dinner. We was going to dinner, so I spent the quick 15. That's That's that. But when you're a rookie, you don't have it like that. It's true. Well, you know, I mean, you did, you know. No, nah, nah, I, I was six round. I didn't have it just, like that. Just roll up to the roll up to the airport and buy a first class ticket wherever you hey, go. Hey, I, I do know a guy who would do that. <laughs> I don't recommend that behavior long term. It's not good for business. <laughs> I told Morgan that story about how <laughs> I think it was back over summer. Yeah. Over OTAs when uh-huh. you officially, officially retired yes. from, from the National Football League. And we were having some, and I asked you, we were having a conversation. I asked you, like, best purchase you ever made. <laughs> dumbest purchase you dumbest. ever made. And you said, yes. you said, well, like, the dumbest purchase, it wasn't really one thing, but you said, like, you know, like, Shonda I'll, and I would never plan vacations. Yeah, so we just, just wake up on a day. We go and be somewhere like, and we're going to go. Yeah, let's go. Like, hey, let's you want to fly to the Bahamas today? All right, let's, let's go. do it. <laughs> let's spend the money. Let's do it. Hey, don't worry about packing. We'll, we'll buy stuff when we get there. Stupid decision. <laughs> I yeah. told Morgan when we turn 30, we're going to do that one time. It's, it's a great way to, you get a rush. It feels super baller, <laughs> but definitely not good for the bank account. So January 2021, my wife turns 30. Ooh. February 2021, I turn 30. Oh, you got to do it then. So you in March, I'm thinking, because I'll be, you know, I'm assuming I'll be at the Combine again yeah. in, end of February. So March, I told her, we're just going to wake up one day. Yeah. We're going to we're going to drive to the airport. You got to do it. And we're going to pick some warm weather destination Listen, with a flight coming up. And that's it, where it, we're it's, going. It's a dope experience to be like, yo, when's the next flight? All right there. Good. Let me get two of those things. <laughs> <laughs> you got any luggage? No. We'll figure it out when we get there. Good. Good. <laughs> On Twitter, at Wesley Euler, at the Body 52. The Body. Hour number two when we return. <laughs> Time to go inside the play with Arthur Motes. And it's also a Wednesday. And that means an hour number two. We'll have mm. Best of the West Wednesday, one of our most spirited debate segments of the week. I love it. Who's number one? Whoa. Well, you have to come back with us to find out. Inside hey. the play and best Hey, I bet not have to find out who number one is. <laughs>
coming up in <laughs> hour two. Again, also, you already know the drill. We'll take your tweets at Wesley Euler at the body 52. The body. Inside the electric factory, you are listening to Euler and Motes. It's Steelers Blitz on SNR. Euler and Motes are on the air. This is the Steelers Blitz on your 24-7 home of the black and gold. SNR. Steelers Nation Radio. I'm bad. Well, that's good. <laughs> you learn most with you here inside the electric factory in full transparency. We're just going to jump right into it here. Inside the play is going to have to wait. Um, We're fired up right now, ladies and gentlemen. Old, you hear the old adage a lot in radio and television and, <laughs> and whatever, that the best conversations happen when the microphones are turned off. Ooh, and boy, did we ever just have that for the last five minutes. Uh, USA Today put out a list of ranking all 32 teams in yes. the National Football League and their court, based on their quarterback futures, right? right? Over the next 10 years, which you're projecting – is that what is that what they said though? That's that uh, that's what you said. That's no, that's I how know. you presented the argument to us. I know, but if I'm gonna if I'm bringing USA Today into don't, this, don't don't you start changing it now. The I, argument uh, was based on a ten okay. year window, so not five years, let's ten years. Let's do a ten year window then. You want to do a ten year window? Let, let's keep it consistent. Keep the argument consistent. All right. So I think you're ranking quarterback situations over the next ten years. And, and you made the statement that. Hold on. You're starting. See, you're starting in the middle of the story. You got to start at the beginning of the story. <sighs> go ahead. Go ahead. People, go ahead. Okay. People, go ahead. People listening at home didn't hear. You can't just jump right, to the middle. Go, go ahead. You give them the context. Episode. Three. I wasn't. I was going to clarify. Jump to the close. I was. Hey, hey, here, hey, you, you, you know why? You know why you feel you're feeling nervous right now? Because you know this is nonsense. I am not feeling nervous because I'm not the one who's loving Dak Prescott. Go ahead. Now, now proceed Let's to tell people what you were saying. Argument here. We got to start this. You know, you got to lay out the story. Go ahead. Let's hurry start up. This argument is we're going through this list during break, ranking uh-huh. all 32 NFL teams, their future quarterback situations, right? Mm-hmm. I think none of us are surprised that the Chiefs are number one with Correct. Patrick Mahomes. I mean, duh. Over the next 10 years, without a doubt. I mean, duh. But number three on wait, who was number now? Now you got me. Now I'm trying to think. Number two on the list was was it Houston? No, Houston was back behind your boy. Number two on the list was the Seattle Seahawks. Oh yeah, well Russell Wilson, Russell right? Wilson. We agree with that. Okay. okay. Well, you guys didn't necessarily agree with that. Well, we um, said for for ten years he's going to be looking at what being forty yeah. in ten years. Yeah. I'm sorry if I don't believe that Russell's still going to be an elite level top, being able to use his mobility and all sure. that at 40. But would you rather have elite court? You have to bounce. This is, I think, part of the consideration in this mm-hmm. is you think Russell Wilson's still going to be elite for seven more years. I do. So is seven years of elite Russell Wilson worth more than 10 years of, you know, Dak Prescott? Or Carson Wentz. Or Carson Wentz. Number three on this list is Dak Prescott, and I think and that this is you lost your mind. egregious. And now you said, and then you proceeded to make the statement that you could name ten okay. other quarterbacks that you would take over him a in a ten year over over a ten year span. And then you proceed to say he's nowhere near five. He's not. And and then when I said, well, not. name your quarterbacks. Yep. You said. Pat Mahomes. Pat Mahomes. You said Russell, Russell Wilson. Wilson. Then, then you said Lamar Jackson, Lamar who we Jackson. disagreed on because I said over a ten-year span. But again, I don't personally think that that's going to last on that type of level. Would you rather have seven years of elite but, but Lamar? That's, or I 10 think years that's a stretch. Dak. Even saying seven, I think that's a stretch. I He's think we're looking 22. at. I understand that, but we're talking about him being able to play at this level, doing what he's doing okay, would you for three years. Five years of that, or the next ten years? You're of saying five. Have five. You're of- saying five. I don't think it's five personally. 
I think it's more in the three range, but we're going to see as the thing progresses because I know historically how it works. I know I historically how Cam when he's what twenty nine years old, right and you now, saw how quick that worked. It, but it was a time when he went he's MVP. When he went MVP, yeah, and you were like, oh man, he's invincible. And they went fifteen and one, and they went to and, the Super and, Bowl. And, and without and a I doubt, think that could happen to Lamar Jackson. And, okay, I would just rather have Lamar Jackson's pure peak, which. Hey, if we want to make this a real argument, okay. you could argue, don't you think it's fair? Lamar's still going to get a little bit better. No, you without it out. But listen, but listen, but listen, but listen. We're, we're not changing the arguments. We simply said over a 10-year span, who would I rather have? Don't give me a guy that's only good for three years versus I can have a guy that's, that's going to be consistently good for 10. But you don't know Lamar's only going to be good for three years. You don't know he's going to be good for longer than three years. I don't think Dak's going to be good for, for All, all I'm saying is I'm going, off of, I'm going off of what once, history has once, stated. Once no, 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 Elliott, wait, wait, wait. But, is done, but listen, done. I'm going off of what history has shown. History has proven that Cam Newton, a great physical specimen, how long did he last in terms of that dominance before he got beat up and broken up? We saw that. It was Seven very short. Years. Seven years? How long's Cam been in the league? Stop it. Stop it. We're talking about his dominance. We're talking about where it was like that Superman. Not, oh, Cam can't really throw the ball. He's just out here running around. We're talking about when he was at his peak, the, the best performance we were seeing from him. It was not seven years worth. But you realize most quarterbacks. No, 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 no. Stop it. Stop like it. Three, four, Stop five it. Years. And then and then and then I said, Oh, another example. Robert Griffin the third. We saw how elite he looked at a time. Yeah, and then he got banged comparing up. Comparing him to Cam Newton is uh, that's malpractice. He was the part. rookie of the year. What are you talking about? He played how many seasons in the National Football League before blowing out his knee? One, Cam is now slowing what? down at 30. RG3 fell apart at 22, 23. Because Cam that Newton, style of play, okay. that style of play is what I'm saying. Don't, don't poo poo. No, 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 no. All I'm saying is for, for, you to say, for you to say that Lamar is just guaranteed he's going to do this for the next five to 10 years, I'm telling you that's not a guarantee. I'm not saying it's a guarantee. You I'm are still, saying it, though. No, I'm saying I'd rather bet on that, Mr. Fox Bet app. Mr. Go ahead, man. Shout I'd out. I'd rather bet on Lamar for the next five years than Dak for the next 10. Without a doubt. Okay, okay. And then, and then, and then, and then, what did I say? Wait a minute. Dad. And then, what did I say was this? I said, okay. I said, I'll even give you Lamar. That's three. Then you proceed to say Carson Wentz. You realize in his first seven no, 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 years no, 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 uh, 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 don't do that. Hold I on, said I will give you that. I listen. I said, listen. You I said I will Cam give you that. One year, three year I said I will give you that. League, he missed three games. Listen, listen. I said I, I don't care how many games he missed. Was he dominant during those first three years? No, he was not. Cam Newton. Now listen up. Listen up, Wes. Listen up. I said I will give you Lamar. I'll give you Russell Wilson. I'll give you Patrick Mahomes. Carson Wentz. Are you serious? Where has Carson Wentz shown that he's a better quarterback than Dak Prescott? Every single year so far. The numbers back that too. Yeah, you want to? Do you want to pull up the numbers? Pull them up. Hey, hey, regular season and postseason. Pull them up. Winning percentage. Pull them up. Because we know who who wins in playoff games and who doesn't. We know who's available and who's not. So pull them up. You want to have that conversation? That's all I'm saying, man. You know who's won more more playoff? You want to? Is that the route? You want to go? Who wins playoff games? Carson Wentz or Dak Prescott? Dude, please tell me. Surprise me. No, 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 no. Surprise me. Surprise me. Matt Ryan's won three times as many playoff games. I'll take. I'll take. He's been to NFC Championship games. He's been to Super Bowls. And I would take Matt Ryan over both those guys right now. But over a ten-year span, give me Dak. Okay, but that again. So now, so so, uh, uh-uh, no, 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 we're not. You are moving the goalposts. So now you said Carson Wentz. So Carson Wentz is at four. So who's your fifth one? No, I did not. I had Carson Wentz at six or seven, not four. Okay. See now you're trying to get me fired up and be the Philly guy. We got Deshaun Watson. Deshaun Watson. Uh, and, and this is Mahomes would be one on my on my correct list. After, absolutely after Mahomes I'm kind of going out of order here because I'm yes. thinking on the fly Mahomes Deshaun Watson Russell Lamar Wilson Jackson Russell Wilson and you said Wentz right Wentz is your five no Wentz was six or seven there's some there's an obvious person that we're forgetting here I feel like 
Is there somebody obvious that we're forgetting? Nah, because you were naming some nonsense. Mm. Oh, Kyler Murray. Kyler Murray. Kyler Murray. Kyler Murray. Okay. Yep. So that's five right there. Uh huh. You said nowhere close to five. You said for uh, for deck. Nowhere close yeah, to five. Yeah, it wouldn't be five. So I guess you could put Wentz at six. <laughs> oh yeah, Jacoby Brissett. That's the. <laughs> like, without a doubt. Hey man, I hope you can reach that rope, man. I hope because you reach it hard. I'll just keep grabbing at it, baby. You Jacoby Brissett? You you flop him and Dak, and Jacoby, you think Jacoby Brissett wouldn't Jacoby have... Jacoby Brissett. We're talking about Dak Prescott. Like, I feel like I'm watching a different Dak than you Are guys. you serious? Are you talking about Jack, the, Dak that throws for 400 yards a game? Which, which Dak you talking about? Which one? Help me understand. Help, help me understand, please. Help me, please. I'm talking about the Dak... <laughs> Let's go, man. The, the Dak that's thrown over 500 times in his NFL career once. Okay. The Dak that's never thrown for 4,000 yards... Okay. I mean, you talk about winning divisions and winning playoff games. Dak's never thrown for over 4,000 yards. Not even close. Okay. In game time situations, though, is he clutch? Yes. Does he get the job done? Yes. We could talk Russell Wilson. How many times up until these past two years has Russell Wilson had those crazy type of numbers? It was happening. But in terms of his efficiency, in terms of his clutch performances, in terms of his playoff prowess, you knew Russell was going to get the job done. So, so, you so we can put, say that about so Carson Wentz. So can we say that about Carson Wentz? But see, you're trying to make this a Dak and Carson conversation. I have to when you when when you put Carson Wentz ahead of him, in terms of the five quarterbacks you would want to take over the next ten years. That's an issue. When you say Jacoby Brissett over the next ten years, that's an issue. Prisoner of the moment, Wesley Youth. I mean, I'm looking prisoner at the, of I'm, I'm the moment. I'm looking at their numbers right now. Prisoner of the moment. And when I talk about Dak, I say he all the time he's a poor man's Russell Wilson. So, yes, I do think he's in that category right there. Poor man's version. Where's this? I'm trying to find this season-by-season season split here. Yeah, man, you keep looking for it, baby. Uh, yeah, uh, I mean, you want to look, uh, uh, look at the uh, – You want to look at the numbers between Dak and Carson? Uh, uh, the win, you got me in the win-loss record there for those uh, two guys, but that's uh, about it. Uh, that's about it. Uh, Carson's missed a bunch of games compared to that guy. Oh, sounds like an excuse. Uh, you are loving Dak. In the I'm not. Of, I'm not loving Dak. You just love Carson Wentz so much that you make, make blasphemous no, statements. Stop it. See, stop it. This discussion all started because I over said, the next ten I said they've years, got Dak Prescott at number three, and you guys were like, "Yeah, yeah." Over so the next ten years, yeah. I, I, there's no. I, if it was a five-year window, sure, but ten years. You're crazy if you're taking you Jacoby Brissett and Carson Wentz. Like Dak is what? 22. 20, he's tw- going to be 27 before next season. You said he's Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson's 30. Right. But she was like Russell at 40 but over Russell Dak. Russell Wilson's a future Hall of Famer. Dak is not. Oh, my gosh. So, in these first ballot, according to you, too, no, right? I don't know about that. Oh, okay. Okay. I don't know about that. Okay. Whatever you say there, bro. I think I'd take. Uh, well, not now. Not now. Who are you about to say? I was about to say if. if, if See, no. I go ahead, go ahead. I know you're about to say some nonsense. Give me the nonsense, Wes. Come yeah, on. I was about to give you some nonsense. Give me the nonsense. I was about to say if he had a clean bill of health, I'd take two attack of Iloa over Dak for the next 10 years. Jeez. <sighs> Dak, you, you, some, you're just further proving my I point. Was, I was surrounded you are just further lovers. proving my point, man. All right, five years from now, we'll talk about Dak and all the, all the games. And, and, and Lamar Jackson as well. Okay. Yeah. Without a doubt. Let me ask you this. Yes. Over the next 10 years, who do you think has a better shot to win the Super Bowl, Lamar Jackson or Dak Prescott? A better shot to win the Super Bowl? What type of argument is that? 
Wouldn't that wouldn't that quantify having a better ten year period if one of them wins a Super Bowl and one of them doesn't? Technically, Carson wins the Super Bowl champ. What does that mean for him? He didn't. See, here you go again, trying to bring. But you just said back. that. You just said that. I'm talking about the you next just said 10 that. Years you just I said that. You said over the next two years, he was better with a Super Bowl. Yeah. Uh, Dak Prescott or Lamar Jackson. Yeah, that's the question I just like, asked. To win you. a Super Answer Bowl. To win a Super Bowl. Do you you know how hard it is to win a Super Bowl? Yes. I you do. saw over the past six years how good how elite has Ben Roethlisberger been. So is that a knock on Ben for not winning the Super Bowl? Oh, but you want to talk about how Ben is, is it a knock? Is it a knock? Is it a knock? Yes or no? Is it a knock? Exactly. Exactly. It's a knock on Carson Wentz because Dak no, no, no. wins more playoff winning games. games let's not winning games so and trying to go Super Bowl. Bowl. Yeah. Break. Yeah. You're moving the goalposts. You're a Carson Wentz lover, bro, and it's showing live on air, baby, and I love it. No, I'm not at all. I love it. Carson cool. was what six or seven on my list. Oh, what? And you said Dak shouldn't even be in the top ten. He's not even close to five. Okay. No. The I, disrespect. I admitted the top ten. He's, the he's dis- in the top ten. Respect. That's in all the I'm top saying. Ten. Don't disrespect that man. But he's closer to ten than he is to one. What? You said he's not even close to five. He's probably like eight. Stop it. Probably like eight. Stop it. Give me Joe Burrow over the next 10 years. Stop Dak Prescott. You are reaching. Stop it. Yeah. Stop it. I'm reaching, says the guy who Stop won't it. answer my question about Lamar and Dak Stop because it. he knows the answer is Lamar Lamar's Jackson. the better quarterback, without a doubt. But we didn't say next year. We didn't say the next five years. You said okay. the next 10. But maybe that relates to where we're disconnecting here. Yes. I would rather have Lamar be Lamar right now. And like I said, I think we can both agree he could even get a little bit better. Oh, without a doubt. For the next three to five years. Okay. Than having Dak for the next 10. So you'd rather have an elite quarterback for three years and then he'd be a bum for the rest of those years versus a really good quarterback for 10 years. I That's don't, how I don't consider Dak a really good quarterback. What? What do you consider him? Please help me. You were no, no, no. What do you consider Dak? I consider Dak a good quarterback, not a really good quarterback. So what do you consider Jared Goff then? Mm, a bad quarterback. <laughs> well, what do you consider Mason Rudolph then? He's he's made six starts in the National Football. What League. do you consider him? I consider Mason Rudolph a number two quarterback in the National Football <laughs> League. Right? I mean, isn't that what you would say he is right now? If we're talking about the next ten years, it's all good. <laughs> it's all good. Okay, where would you forget the next ten years? Forget the next ten year conversation. Where would you rank Dak right now on your list of best quarterbacks in the National Football League right now? Is he top ten? Uh, it's hard for me to say he's top ten. Then why am I so incredulous to say because, I don't want that? No, no, no. For the next but 10 because years? listen, listen. The reason why it's hard to say he's top ten, you got Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. You have Tom Brady. Yeah. So when we're talking over the next ten years, those two are not in that list, right? Right. So now that's two open but spots. Is, is it not? Is it not? Drew Brees. Drew Brees. That's three. Top 10, Dak as a top take, 10 I'd quarterback. Take ben, I'd take Ben over Dak next year. Okay, that's questionable, but okay. Because we don't know what his health is, but go ahead, continue. Matt Ryan over Dak next year. That's a reach. I'm not doing that, but okay, continue. Kirk Cousins over Dak next year. <sighs> He's hot and cold, but continue. That's three. Continue. That's three. That's more than three. You just said Matt Ryan, Yeah. Ben Roethlisberger, right. Kirk Cousins. And we had already said... Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Rodgers, Tom okay. Brady, yes, Patrick Mahomes. Okay, so that's six total quarterbacks Lamar right there. Jackson, Lamar Jackson, Russell Wilson. Okay, that's eight. Okay, keep going. Well, so Deshaun Watson, Philip Rivers, nine. Deshaun whoa, Watson, whoa, what? Philip Rivers? Did you just say Philip Rivers? Yeah, he played really bad last what? week. What? <laughs> last last week? What? Boy, stop it. Okay, fine. I still got nine, even if I take Philip Rivers out of the conversation. <sighs> 
I mean, so what we just parsed out is at best right now, you would say Dak Prescott is the 10th best quarterback in the National Football League? And that's League? completely fine. And when you name all those guys you just so named. No, 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 no. But, but, but listen, but listen, but listen. But listen, but listen. All those guys you just named, right? All those guys you just named. Over a 10-year window, how many of them are even going to still be in the league? Take out Ben. Take out Breeze. Take out uh, Brady. Take out Aaron Rodgers. That's four guys right there. Right. But then again, don't you think you're also going to have – Stop it. Don't don't you try to do the, oh, but it's going to be some other good quarterbacks that come in there. We're not playing the guessing game. We're just saying right now the quarterback that we see right now. So stop it. Stop it. You're proving my point, baby. Stop it. I, Dak's nowhere close to my top five if I'm taking quarterbacks for the next 10 years. I mean, if you but but you still haven't even named your five. You haven't even named Patrick Mahomes, Uh Lamar Jackson, Uh Russell Wilson, Uh Deshaun Watson, Uh and I'm I'm see now we're going all over the place with these debates. Russell Wilson, Uh Patrick Mahomes, okay, Deshaun Watson, yeah, Lamar Jackson was four. Jackson, who was the fifth one? You you've named Jacoby Brissett. You've named Carson Wentz and Kyler Murray. Kyler Murray. Okay, so then at, at worst he's what six. I mean, I had him at. I had no, him. you said he's not. You said he's close to the I ten. Eight. You said he's first. Of all, you said he's not in the ten. Then you said he's close to the ten. Then five. And right there, you just said he's at six. And that's what you're reaching on Lamar, saying over the next ten years. See, we're just. I don't know if I'm reaching on Lamar. Are you serious? I mean, we're talking about how, again. Would I rather have Lamar at MVP caliber, best quarterback in the for National three football? years? Or have a really good quarterback and for then, 10 and years. Then, but hold on. But but you're saying a really good quarterback for 10 years, like Dak couldn't get hurt, like something couldn't happen to Dak in six or seven years. Yes, you're technically, so, on, it, technically on, any other could get hurt, if but who has the higher percentage of getting hurt? If, if we're that going, Lamar listen, is gonna fall for off styles, cliff, for styles of play, for styles, listen, listen, for styles of play, who is at a higher chance of getting injured? Oh, sure. Lamar Jackson. So that's what I'm talking about when I say over the next three years. For style of offense. Cool. What I mean, you talk about all these injuries and all these other unknowns. What's Dak going to look like when Zeke is no longer one A or one B best running back in the National Football? Well, League? we don't know yet, do we? We don't. Just like we don't know what Lamar is going to look like in four years. But you're saying you, you're swearing up and down, man. He he's got it for the next five to ten. That's what you said. Better than Dak. All I'm saying is Dak's style is going to age a lot better than Lamar's. That's all I'm saying. I agree with that. Oh, here you go. Okay. But I'd still rather have Lamar for the next five <laughs> you years. You don't know what you want to agree. You just want to disagree for the sake of disagree. No, that's false. You just want to bring Carson Wentz into this. For you the love sake of Wentz. Hey, he's not in my top ten. Dak is towards the back of mine. It, until you uh, just named him as six, but Dak okay. Prescott. No, I didn't name him as six. I named him five guys for sure. I didn't give Dak that number six. <laughs> On Twitter, at Wesley Euler, at the body 52. The body. When we come back, we will go inside the play, and we'll do a little, we'll do a little best of the West, a little digression. We'll get back on track here. We're almost getting there. Tweet us, all right, and give us your quarterbacks, your rankings for, for the next 10 years of quarterbacks you would like. Let's see what the people think on this one. Euler remotes at Steelers Blitz on us. This is the Steelers Blitz with Wesley Euler and Arthur Motes on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, SNR. Oh, it's a Wednesday. That means a few things on the program. QB debates. About this time, <laughs> Get a little fired, a little fired up, a little fire in the hey electric man. factory there. Sometimes, last sometimes we got to have a little disagreement. 
you know? Nobody got hit with any helmets or hats, <laughs> so it was all good in here. That's right. No suspensions or fines forthcoming. Even though it is funny, the 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 power grid, they just heard our 15 minutes of that. But we literally talked about that for, what, five, ten minutes before we even got back on. And, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then even a little bit, we just got off. Yeah. <laughs> No, it's funny hey, how we man. all have our things that we look for in our different evaluations, and I just, yeah. I Yeah, perspectives, styles. Don't get me wrong. I think, like. I think Dak is a starting quarterback in the National Football. I don't want to make it seem like I think Dak is just some, you know, I just he's think riding the say, coattails of the best running back in football and the best offensive line in football and Amari Cooper but, but, and a really uh, good But let's defense. be real. Are the Cowboys the best offensive line anymore? That was a couple years ago. I think they they're, are right now. Not. You nah, watch them play this a couple year? Years. I have. They're a couple Who's better? Between who? No, who's got a better offensive line than the Cowboys right now? If yeah. you're telling me they're not the best, you got to tell me who's the best. Wow, that's what we got to do right now on the spot. I'll get some research and I'll come back to you. <laughs> How about that? At least in the conversation? No, no, definitely in the conversation. Okay. But okay. you can say the same about the Steelers. In terms of pass protection, are we talking run blocking or pass protection or Both. complete? Yeah, complete. Because that's what I'm saying. Like Before, like the past two years, it was clear cut that the Steelers had the best offensive line, run game and pass game. Yes. Right now, their run game numbers are atrocious. Mm-hmm. But from a pass blocking standpoint, still they're still the really best, well. either yeah. one, two in the league right now. It's a lot of, a lot of moving parts. Oh yeah. All That's right. the thing about when you have these sports debates, though. You can't. It's hard to just focus in on one particular thing because there's so many factors that play sure. into it. Like, how do you value? Just straight up winning, right? right? As opposed to their numbers, their statistics. Right. Because that's the, the conversation. Eye test. Like with the Russell Wilson, for example, you could point to him having a Super Bowl championship, the success of the wins he's had, but we can all agree that during the Legion of Boom era, he was not the reason why they were winning those games. No. No. But then you point to him now, and he is the reason he why is they're the reason winning. reason they're winning games, yeah. So it's so many different variables that go into it, man. So that's why I love it, man. It's always fun. It's always fun. All right, let's do a little best of the West here. Man, Wednesday. I thought we were going to go inside to play, but that's cool. Like we always do. Well, I thought we'd do that in the final. You know, I don't want to handcuff you with any time here. Oh, you're right, man. Let's do West of the West. <laughs> okay. we, I want to debate with you some more anyway, so give me some more reasons to debate. I know you got me. All right, number one. I mean, I hate to do it. Don't, no, you don't. <laughs> but I think I'd just be fooling myself and lying to myself if I didn't at this point. Kind of like saying that Carson Wentz is better than Dak, but all right. Carson Wentz is better than Dak. <laughs> I've got the Baltimore Ravens at number one uh-huh. on my list. I like it, my friend. I, I like mean, it. we had been saying for months, right? Oh, just wait till they get to that stretch. They have to go to Seattle. Yeah, where, where's then, that stretch at again? Then they got to play the Patriots. <laughs> then they got to play the Texans. Just wait till that yeah. stretch. I'm, I'm still waiting on that stretch too, man. It's all good. Yeah, they've won those games. What, they beat Seattle by 14. They beat the Patriots by 17. They beat the Texans by 34. Yeah, it got, it got ugly real quick. 36, something like that. Uh, Motsi, I, I got the Ravens at number one. Yeah. All right. Keep going. I like it. Number two. I got the Seattle Seahawks. Okay. Okay. I respect that. The Seahawks at two. I mean, you know, I knocked them down a peg when they lost to the Ravens at home by 14 points, but I'm looking as, I, as I'm looking at it now, that, that loss isn't looking. I mean, when you consider the Seahawks only two losses are to the Saints and to the Ravens, I mean, eight and two sitting pretty there. I, I, I obviously like Russell Wilson for anybody who's been listening to the show or to the last <laughs> segment. I got the Seahawks at number two. Number three, I'll go the Niners. Okay. A little little more positively encouraged by Jimmy G over over the past few games. I think he's looked a little bit better. They've got him some more weapons, which is helping. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've got the Niners at three. Number four, I will go with the Green Bay 
Packers. Oh, oh okay. Yeah. All right. Okay. Oh, yeah, my boy Aaron Rodgers. That defense is looking good. Aaron Jones continues to emerge as one of the best uh, threats out of the backfield in the National Football League, both carrying and receiving. I'll put the Packers at number four. Number five, I got the Saints. Mm, okay. Yeah, they they you know looked a who little they? looked a little rusty in Week 10's loss against Atlanta. But no, no, to, are they who they or are they who that? I think they're who dat. Who dat? Wait, Bengals are who that, day. Right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Yes. It's too close. Why they got them? They, the Bengals are always stepping on people's yeah, toes. Yeah, like, how are you gonna say who they and that's who that? Like it's crazy. I give the Saints credit. I I think that they came up with it first, but that's just maybe the Bengals. I'm gonna rock they. with the Saints anyways in that regard. So yeah, you're good. <laughs> Number six. New England Patriots. I mean, come on. I can't have them any lower than this. Um, that defense, you saw what they were able to do in Philadelphia, right? The Eagles come out. They have. Hey, like who a, was the quarterback for the Eagles anyway? They have like a Carson Wentz. They have like uh, a... Uh, an, how did he do? He did really well, actually. <laughs> you know whose wide receivers lead the league in drops right now? Oh, uh, I don't want to hear all these excuses. Of course it, not. It might be the Steelers, actually. No, they're number three. You sure about that? Yeah, I am. When was it updated? Uh, yesterday? Was there any games on Tuesday? You sure about that? <laughs> I was say, we're going to have to look at these stats again. I got the Patriots at number six. I, I still think that that defense has its areas where they can be exploited. Uh, but, man, if you just look from a number standpoint and what they've been able to do, uh, everybody other than the Ravens, they've held under 20 points, right? I think the Ravens are still the only team to score more than 20 points against them. Uh, Brady, Belichick, yes, you could talk about how you know, the Patriots, they don't really have a threat on the outside now with Edelman and Sanu both kind of being slot guys, and their offensive line hasn't been great this season. But it's kind of one of those, until they get knocked off, you right. still got to have them in that conversation. I've got the Patriots at number six. Number seven, I've got the Vikings. Mm, okay. Eight and three. I mean, yeah. come on. Uh, this is yeah, like one, that. Of those, one of those, <laughs> like, I don't know how much faith I put in them to win a bunch of playoff games, but I certainly think they are a good football team. Eight and three in one of the best divisions in football. That's good enough for me to be at number seven. Number eight, I got the Chiefs. The mm. Chiefs back at seven and four. I think they're going to uh, – you're going to see – you start to saw some shades of it in Mexico City on Monday night. I think the footing there uh, held the Chiefs back from scoring some more points. It's always – I don't know what it is, but every time they play a game in Mexico City – And they the changed the field. Can, right. Like, the field you, on you there. think by now yeah. they have it figured out. Uh, but I got the Chiefs at number eight. At number nine, I got the Houston Texans. <sighs> I know, okay. they, got, they got blown out by Baltimore. But Fair enough. I don't know. And then at number 10, I'll put Arthur Motes' favorite team, the Dallas Cowboys. <laughs> <laughs> number 11, wow. first, first team out. Highest they've been all year. I got the Raiders. Is it time that we start asking, are the Raiders it, it, for real? It, it, it is. The Raiders, are the Raiders for real? And then I'd have um, you know the, the Rams and the Bills probably behind, behind the Raiders there as well. Interesting. That's my top 10. <sighs> very, very interesting to say the least. All right. <clears throat> we'll go ahead and do this the, the easy way. Honestly, we don't differ too much. Obviously, this is another week where our uh, perspective of the Packers is a little off. But first, we'll start with the Ravens at one. I do agree 100% with that. They have proven to be the team to beat, not just in the AFC, but in the NFL. Lamar Jackson, what he's doing, the way that defense is playing. Yeah. I mean, they are on fire right now. Every t This is what you want each year as a team. You want to hit that stride where you're able to spring off six, seven, eight in a row, and they're right in the middle of that stride. Mm -hmm. So it's hard to go against them right now. Number two, you have the Seahawks. 
I got the 49ers. And it was basically because they won a tough game against the Cardinals, who had, going into that game, the Cardinals had actually owned the Niners in their matchups over the past whatever, how many matchups has been between them. But they had been dominating that series. So it was good to see the Niners win an ugly game for them in terms of, they're playing. You're thinking they're going to come back and get a tie at the end. They hit a nice pass, yeah. splits the safeties, and scores a touchdown to win it. That was epic. I love to see that. And once again, I was with Emmanuel Sanders dealing with some of the injuries and stuff like that. Number three, you had the 49ers. I have the Patriots there. I think that they are still finding ways to get it done. And until we see them get knocked off officially, they still got to be the team. So if the only team that really whacked them was the Ravens, yeah, I got to keep the Patriots up yeah. there. That's, and we all know what the Ravens are right now. So, number four, you have the Packers. This is where we differ. I have the Saints. I think that, like you said, they got whacked two weeks ago versus the Falcons, but the Falcons have turned out to put in two nice performances back-to-back, so I don't know the what's Falcons going on down there. The Falcons still have some talent on that they roster. They do. I mean, they, they, yeah. they, it was, I think, more surprising when they were kind of in the first pick conversation yes. you know, with, with teams like the Bengals and the Dolphins because the Falcons have a much better roster and, I think, a capable head coach and coaching staff than, mm-hmm. than a lot of those teams Without a well. doubt. So that's why I had to have the Saints there. I felt like, you know, seeing them come back, bounce back in a good way. Yeah. I still think their defense is top notch. For me, I had them at four. Now at five, you had the Saints. This is why I have the Seahawks. I think even with the Seahawks winning, I think that their team is bad. It's just Russell is playing so good right now. Okay. Like we talked about how, for example, this is how I was doing my MVP talk before Lamar really emerged. I said if it's between Russell and Brady, I could put Russell Wilson on the Patriots roster right now, and he's still going to be able to ball. Like he's going to get the job done. You put Brady on that Seahawks roster right now, his lack of mobility, he was going to get killed because their line is not protected. Sure. They don't have weapons like that. So, for me, I said that's why I think that the Seahawks aren't really a good team. It's just Russell's playing so good because that defense is taking a step back, too. They're mm-hmm. not the same yeah, no, it's true. either. So, that's why I have them at five. At six, this is where you have the Patriots. Obviously, I have them at three. So, right here – I'm a prisoner of the moment, and I'm allowed to be, so give me Kirk Cousins and those Vikings, Ooh, baby. That's your boy. It, it, it is, man. I, I told you, man, I went back to him. He told me he won't go hurt me no more. He said it's all good, <laughs> so I believe him. I, I'm drinking the Kool-Aid. I like that. <laughs> At seven, that's where you have the Vikings. That's why I have the Texans. I know they got whacked by the Ravens, but we talked about the Ravens. They're a buzz all right now. They are tough, and Deshaun Watson struggles on the road. All his, his yeah, worst performances true. have happened on the road, and I think that was just another one of those examples right there in Baltimore. So I don't expect the Texans to look like that going forward, and I think that they're going to definitely bounce back and go back to looking like the team we think they are. Eight, you have the Chiefs. I'm not as high on the Chiefs right now just because I'm watching that game versus the Chargers, and we're seeing how bad Phillip Rivers is being in terms of the turnovers and things like that. I still have concerns about their defense. I still have concerns about outside of if they have a game where they get multiple turnovers like that, can they really stop teams? Mm -hmm. And we talk about how at this level you can only outscore so many teams. Eventually you're going to have to play defense. You're going to have to be able to stop somebody. And I don't know where they are in that department just yet. So I have the Packers right there because they do play defense. And my boy Mike Pettin is over there, and he's got those guys doing it. And Aaron Rodgers is still, you know, he's Aaron Rodgers. He didn't hurt me this week because it was on a bye. So it was good. Hmm? Number eight, you said, right? Yes, number eight. Yep. For number nine, you had the Texans. Stop it. Let's go, Buffalo. Give me my Buffalo Bills, baby. Coming off a big road win versus the Dolphins. Shout out to Josh Allen getting named AFC Offensive Player of the Week as well. So you take him over, Dak? Not right now, no. 
<laughs> Not at all. Stop it. <laughs> but I, I like their defense, though. Yeah, the I Bills take their defense over the Cowboys defense. Nice defense. But the beauty is they gonna get that chance to go head to head in a couple weeks. Thanksgiving, that's baby. True. They oh, go, that's yeah, right. they are gonna get their chance. Weeks. That's yeah, <laughs> that's yeah. They're gonna get a chance. So for me, we're oh, gonna see. Be, we're gonna see who do we take. All right. <laughs> then at ten, you had the Cowboys. That's why I have the Chiefs. I tell you, man, once again, with that Chiefs team, I think with Mahomes coming back and starting to look more healthy, starting to get back in the groove, that offense starting to click like it was before he got hurt, that's what makes them scary. That's why you still have to respect them as an opponent and feel that even with their lack of productivity from a defensive standpoint, they're still able to be in the conversation. Then my next three out, I have the Raiders. Yes, the Raiders. The Raiders. Arthur Motes, are the Raiders for real? I, I'm starting to believe it, man. They're getting it done. Derek Carr, I mean, now granted, the Bengals did play them tough, and I was surprised by that. But the fact that they find ways to get the job done, understanding everything that they went through in terms of having A.B. all offseason, that being the guy you design your offense around, for him to just leave the week of the regular season. Yeah. For them to it's be impressive. where they are right now, that speaks volumes to them and Coach Gruden and Mayock. So I have them at 11. I got the Cowboys at 12, and then Rams would have been the third team out because <sighs> I like the Rams. I don't trust that offense. I don't trust it at all, though. Yeah. And, and even and even with Gurley, it's like he was looking good versus the Bears, right? Early. But golf is – I just <sighs> – Especially with Zach Taylor gone now, yes. I think we're realizing how – important Zach Taylor was, was to Jared to Goff. Him, absolutely. Yeah. And and just to briefly go back to that quarterback debate, when you talked about Dak being a good quarterback, I look at uh Jared Goff as just a good, just C level, C competent starting quarterback. That's him. And the reason I say that Dak is really good because I view Dak above him. But when I talk about potential great quarterbacks, that's where you get the Russell Wilson's R- Lamar, the trajectory he's on right now. Patrick They're Mahomes. in that category, Mahomes. So that's why I view them that way. And that's why I say to myself, like, hey, with golf, he's competent. He, he's like Andy Dalton to me. Like, he's not going to do anything great. He's not a world beater, but he, he can get the job done. Yeah. And if, that's how if I view thing, If the situation yeah. around him is proper. Right. He can, get, yeah. he can make it happen. Yeah. Uh, just to, you know, be good journalist here and follow up stats-wise – uh, the Bears and the Dolphins lead the league in most passes dropped right now. Mm. On their heels, Philadelphia Eagles. I like it. Who's uh, top five? Bears, Dolphins, Eagles, Browns, Chargers. That's interesting. Where are the Steelers at? The Steelers are, you go Niners, Bills, Giants, and then Steelers. Uh, so, Bills, sorry, Giants, Steelers, and Bills are all tied for seventh. Okay. If that makes sense. Fair enough, yeah. yeah with 14. 14? Yeah. I guess that seems a little low. But this is on the official. Uh, so I guess these are official. You know what I mean? Yeah, there's a difference between right. what we deem a drop pass and what, you're right, you're right, what's you're officially. Right. There's some gray area there. Correct. And we don't like gray area here at radio. Don't. It's black and white. No no, no details, no minutia. And Keep we, it simple. <laughs> when we come back here, uh, we will go inside the play with Arthur Motes. We'll get back into X's and O's, stellar talk, as Motesy breaks down a few specifics from Sunday, from Thursday, pardon me. Say, come on, man, what day from, were we on? From Thursday <laughs> against the Brownies as we wrap up the show. Euler Emotes on Twitter, at Wesley Euler, at the Body 52. The Body. You're inside the Electric Factory listening to Steelers Blitz on SNR. This is the Steelers Blitz with Wesley Euler and Arthur Motes on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, SNR. 
Wrapping up the show on a Wednesday afternoon. Euler Emotes inside the Electric Factory on Twitter at Wesley Euler at TheBody52. TheBody. We will get to some of your questions here before we get out of here. But first, you know, we kind of kicking it down the can as we... Uh, kicking it down the can. Kicking it down the road, pardon me. Kicking this segment down the road as we embraced debate there in the first 45 minutes of the second hour. But it's like th- that, man. Sometimes it do be like that. But... On Wednesdays, right, one of the things we like to do is called Inside the Play, where you take a, a play or two or sometimes Correct. a sequence of plays and a, a, a deeper X's and O's. Deep, You know, this is for the real football junkies oh, yeah, yeah. This out the, there listening. You know, you got like ESPN where it's going to give you just the fluff. Right. The highlights. Then you got NFL Network where it gets in-depth. Mm-hmm. This is like our NFL Network section. I like it. You know what I mean? It's like, um, you know, you can go on ESPN and you can watch NBA Live mm-hmm. or you can watch that uh, on ESPN Plus, that the, show where Kobe does the, the breakdowns, the yeah. detail, yeah. So this is the detail segment of Euler and Moats that we do on Wednesdays. Arthur Moats going to take you a little deep dive here as we go inside the play. All righty, ladies and gentlemen, it is time to go inside the play. And the first play that we shall dive into, being that I'm a defensive guy, was my brother, Mr. T.J. Watt. His big sack, baby. Yes, indeed. Now, on the play, it was a beautiful blitz, man. It was a cover one coverage, dog rush. So you remember the dog rush days of Lamar Whitley and James Harrison coming off the edge together? That's what this call was right here with him and Bud Dupree coming off the edges. And the thing that I loved about TJ on this particular play was he ended up getting matched up against a tight end. And we always say this as an outside linebacker, you should never under any circumstances have a tight end block you. It's disrespectful. And what you have to do to tight ends, you have to put them in a tight end's place. And you know how that goes. Mm -hmm. So... You see the tight end, he shoots his hands, but as I stated earlier, he wasn't an aggressive guy. He's more of a, I want to catch you and hold you type of guy. TJ does a good job using his hands to catch the tight end's wrists, controlling him, and then from there, using good block release fundamentals by taking his arms and putting them down and away from his body. Sometimes if you get lazy, you just drop your hands. That guy had the tight end or the blocker has a chance to reset and grab you again or punch you again. So by going down and away, you clear your hips, and now TJ's able to get by him and use that elite level closing speed to make the big time sack and it was beautiful because if he doesn't make the play Vince Williams is on a dog rush yeah. hug rush he's coming inside as well but was coming on the backside but TJ just showed all the fundamental things as a pass rusher that you should do on a play in terms of your stance your alignment the hand placement the block release and closing speed it was a clinic tape and that's why tj is one of the best in the league right now in terms of getting to the quarterback and the numbers back that as well so big shout out to my dog i like it i like it now the next play we got to talk about the Steelers' only touchdown by mr Jalen samuels now it didn't look like much but let's talk about why i was so impressed with Jalen samuels on this particular play when the play starts out, he's in cover. I mean, he's in he's in protection. He's in he's a part of the pass protection, which he doesn't do very often. Correct, and that was some of the the concerns about him this season in terms of hey, if he's out there in pass blocking situations, we know what James Conner can do. How is he going to be in terms of standing up and blocking guys, or even understanding when to release? Because a lot of younger 
undersized running backs like him like to release without scanning. He does a good job showing his patience, scanning, making sure nobody's giving immediate pressure right now. And with that being the case, he understands that, hey, it's no immediate threat. Miles Garrett wasn't coming off the edge on that particular play in terms of giving Al any immediate pressure. So he's able to then become an active receiver. Sure. Give Mason Rudolph some help. So he goes to the flats, becomes super quarterback friendly, makes a nice catch out the backfield, hands catch, beats the defenders to the end zone. But a couple of things that also transpired on that play was, number one, the Browns, they were in a cover four. So anyways, when you're running cover four, you know the flats are going to be the weakness. So him understanding, hey, let's swing out there versus going up and spotting up over the ball. Two different styles of things. Cover three, you spot over the ball. If it's cover four, you want to go to the flat. So it was good seeing that element of it. And then with Mason, I would have loved to see him hit my man James Washington was coming across on a, uh, it was like a five-yard in route. But he didn't feel comfortable with the throw. He had a little bit of pressure. Good job by him staying alive. Not forcing something that he did not feel comfortable doing. And ultimately knowing that, hey, I have this check down. I have Jalen Samuels sure. available to me and going there with the ball. So it was definitely the right read by him if he didn't feel comfortable with that first read. So for multiple reasons, I was very happy with that play. And these are the type of things that I say to myself, hey, you can do that going forward. That's showing that you are growing. Granted, you had the four interceptions, and that was a bad element of your game on Thursday night. But the things like this where he's going through a read, yes. where he's still staying alive and not just giving himself up on a sack or Make trying to run. Right. Yeah. He understood that, hey, okay, this thing is evolving. Let me see who else I have. And then Jalen, like I said, understanding that, hey, I don't have to release right now, but nobody's here. Let me go help out. Let me go get in the route. Those are the things that I loved on those two plays right there. That was inside the play with the body, Arthur Motes. Get a little minutia. A nice, nice balance of offense and defense there. I, I try not to discriminate. Speaking of defense, we got a couple questions on Twitter. Uh, Don Juan asked about it. Usman asked about it. Uh, your thoughts on Tuzar Skipper coming back to the team and if we could see him in action as soon as Sunday or you know, at any point here shortly going forward, particularly, I think, with the, uh, the thin nature of of the outside linebacker position. Yeah, man, I think uh, it's definitely good to see Tazar back. Obviously, the preseason that he had was top-notch. In terms of him playing on Sunday, I think that's a direct correlation to Ola Daney's health. Sure. Um, obviously, Anthony Chicklow is another guy who was out, so his health is going to play a major factor in that. Um, if he does get out there, I don't know how productive he will be. Well, the thing is, if there was any week that he would be productive, it is this week because his Bengals offensive line has allowed 36 sacks going into this game, and that's not counting pressures. Right. So if there was any week that, hey, if he got the opportunity, I would I'd like to see something positive happen, I think it would be this game for him. So I do think that he's going to be an asset for this team, though. I think so, too. I mean, we saw, you know, it's, it's preseason. You have to take everything you see with a grain of salt. But we saw the ability – for him to make plays. Yes, indeed. Uh, there was a reason why the Giants went out and brought him in, too, because they, you know, it's not, there's other teams in the National Football League that see the potential in this oh, guy. Oh, without it's, a doubt. It's not like, we know we're Tuzar Skipper Nation here in Pittsburgh, but, you know, the, the, the potential is there, Motsi, and like you said, it might not be a chance for him to really, uh, you know, kind of dip his toes into the deep end. It's a, he might have to dive dive right in, depending hey, on yeah, first, Chicolo's baby. status and Ola's status, and we know, too, I mean, you've pointed this out. Nobody's ever 100% healthy at this point in the season. But particularly, we know T.J. Watt's been dealing with some lingering issues yeah. as well, And it too. was times last game where we saw T.J. Watt come out where Jay uh, Elliott came right, in. And right. a couple of the critical plays did happen while he was out there. So 
all of those things play into the situation. So that's why I do think that we could see him have some type of impact. That'll do it for today's show. Thanks to everybody who tweeted us. We got a mix of loved and hated the, the Dak segment. So, hey, you know, it's like that. That's radio, it's, though. It's radio. For those of you that loved it, we appreciated it. For those of you that didn't, well, you know. Good. We'll, we'll, we're we'll, good. We'll, we'll do better tomorrow. I mean, you know, you know, don't judge us based off of one performance. Uh, you know, thanks to our buddy Jacob for producing the program, and again to everybody on Twitter who did chime in. We, good or bad, we do appreciate it. Shout out to the Power Grid. Y'all always locked in, baby. We it's appreciate. It's nice y'all. to know that you're locked in, even if you're not always on the same wavelength as us. We do appreciate that you're locked hey, in. All love. We will talk to you in same time, same place tomorrow, Motsi. Got to make it happen on a Thursday, unless I fight you in the parking lot. On a Thursday. <laughs> Just don't swing your helmet at me, all right? Talk about some Philip Rivers. Boy, what? Don't just don't swing your helmet at me, all right? Hey, hey, no promises. <laughs> we'll talk to you as always. Same time, same place. High noon tomorrow on your 24-7 home of the black and gold. Steelers Nation Radio.